Over the past 20 years, digital marketing has well and truly replaced traditional print advertising in the residential property space. And as digital platforms become more sophisticated, as we all trade more and more information online, the relationship between seller, agent and buyer has been changing, even if you haven't really noticed it. What is happening in this space? What does the future look like? Will these portals ever rise to replace the real estate agent? Welcome to The Elephant in the Room. This is the podcast where we love to talk about the big things in property that never usually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent, co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia and author of Auction Ready. And I'm Chris Bates, mortgage broker. Before we get started, I need to let you know that nothing we say on here can be taken as personal advice. We always recommend you engage the services of a professional. Don't forget that you can access the transcript for this episode on the website as well as download our free full or forecaster report which experts can you trust to get it right? TheElephantInTheRoom.com.au Today we're keen to delve into the nuts and bolts of search engines and how the information gets there in the first place, how buyers and agents, notwithstanding their competing agendas, can use them to get the best outcomes. To help us understand all of this, we're joined by Simon Hope, General Manager of Product for Residential, REA Group. That's the home of realestate.com.au. And Simon is responsible for developing the product portfolio which is sold into residential real estate customers. Simon has been developing digital products for over 20 years and has been with REA since 2015. And in that time, he's responsible for leading the data divisions as well as acquisitions like flatmates.com.au. Thanks for joining us today, Simon. I'm looking forward, we're both looking forward to actually, to a quite a juicy, interesting conversation. Yeah, likewise, Veronica. It's <laughs> lovely, uh, lovely to be here. So good to have you on. I mean, we just love, we'd love to get access to the data you guys see each day, the, you know, the clicks here and how many people are looking at everything and just amazing, right? But REA, I mean, what, what's the sort of the mission that you're trying to get to? Like, what's the ultimate end game from the user experience? Like, how are you looking at the, the you know, your real estate agents and the user and, you know, where are you trying to take the platform to, I guess, longer term? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that's a big question. Do you want the, yes. do you want the Doctor Evil answer, or do you want the sort of <laughs> we want Doctor Evil? Yeah, a bit of both. <laughs> no. Look, I think I think um, you know, for us, you know, our, our vision is to, I guess, that grand vision. Like all great companies, we have a grand vision, and that that vision is changing the way the world experiences property. For for me, how it plays out is is really a, about joining the dots between individual consumers as they're going through their journeys, whether it be a tenant, a buyer or a seller, as effectively as possible with the industry participants, so that the agents in particular. So a lot of the work that we're doing right now is is really focused on bringing those two worlds together. You know, um, we've got a, as you sort of stated, Chris, we've got a, a wealth of consumers on our platform that are engaging with that channel each and every day how do we how do we take that and, and make that useful for agents such that they can engage back with those 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 same consumers in a more effective way um, to get a better outcome for a tenant or to get a better outcome for a buyer? So that's the sort of day to day problems that my teams kind of focus on, and and we really mm. just think about like these. You know, we talk a lot about these sort of core jobs to be done. Like what what do people really want want to do? What does an agent want to do in their day to day? world and we're seeing like a big shift probably over the last two years i'd say introducing more digital into that process how can digital help them be more effective be yeah. effective in the jobs that they need to do um so a lot of our time is just spent focused on those problems do you, do you feel like you're like 80 percent of the way there and you're sort of scratching your head to sort of come up with you know big innovation or do you feel like you're only the other way you're only 20 percent of the way there of where you guys think you could take the platform look i i don't think we're 80 percent of the way there i mean i think we're certainly more progressed in the advertising space because that's our that, that's been our lineage right that's our sort of dna i think yeah. as we move into this sort of concept of providing more utility uh, along the property journey on either side of the equation there's still a lot of room to go and, and you actually you, you know you sometimes underestimate the 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 barriers that you've got to get across you know i think we you know we've, we've spent a lot of time in the last year working with sort of doing digital proposals right now you'd think okay a digital proposal right just send the proposal out directly to the vendor do it through a digital medium 
you'd think, well, that's there's there's not a there's not a big hurdle there. But the reality is, those types of behaviours they're they're hugely sort of embedded in 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 the businesses of of, of today. So actually, the, the the if you're working in digital, you think it's obvious. Why don't people just go there? The reality is, it often involves change, and when when it involves change, it takes time to kind of shift an industry from printing out reams of paper, driving, you know, 50K <laughs> to drop off said reams of paper instead of just sending something immediately. So so you're talking about real estate agents being the um, the fly in the ointment or the um, <laughs> lack of the lack of grease in the, in the gears here. Um, are they, I mean, is the real estate agent, I guess, a problem or creating friction in the relationship between the buyer and the seller? Um, I mean, it's not universal. Like, it, it, it's absolutely not universal. I don't think they, 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 it's, yes, do they create fr friction? Sometimes, absolutely. You know, I think um, I'll give you an example. You know, we, we, we run a consumer omnibus every year. We, we question, you know, thousands of consumers on our platform. For buyers, for example, you know, their number one frustration, like I think it's like 70, 75% number one frustration lack of sold prices on listings. Yeah. If, you look at yeah. the, if you look at the younger cohorts of that same, if you look at the younger demographic, that, that number goes up. So the expectation of, of consumers is already at a level that they're frustrated sometimes by the lack of visibility that are provided by agents. With, with the younger generations coming through, that, that frustration is ratcheted up because their expectations are set in domains that many of, many of these people are not, not, not in. So I think, but, but it's sometimes easy to generalize why a price might not be provided on a listing. There's probably a lot of individual drivers and reasons for doing that. Some of them perhaps are not the best drivers in motivations. Some of them are totally legitimate, like the vendor doesn't want that price to be disclosed. Yeah. So, so there's, there's always a nuance. Um, I think generally what I'm observing is that change is typically more em embraced by the younger in, in amongst the industry um, and I think those people also embrace the power of data in that equation as well so for example if I'm able to understand and measure what I'm doing on a daily basis I can use that data as a signal back to improve what I'm doing so you might get a you might get an, in, an individual young agent who's prospecting heavily using digital tools but they're getting all of those data signals back upon the success of that prospecting activity that's different to perhaps someone that's been in the industry for 25, 30 years. They're, yeah. they're, they're perhaps doing it more based upon instinct. Which one's right? I, I don't think, I, I think, I, I think typically you need a bit of both, right? It's so, so interesting you say this because I, I'm, I'm actually quite fascinated that that is your number one um, pain point or frustration mm. is that the lack of uh, or the increase of price not disclosed or the proliferation, shall we say, of price not disclosed. Um, what about the actual pricing at the front end, you know, so particularly in auction areas, but I've noticed it increasingly in areas that aren't auction as well, where it's a for sale and yet there's not a price. Um, or in the back end there's obviously a price because the agent has to, enter, you know, basically put a price guide in there. And so buyers I know are frustrated when they plug in their, their limit and they get fed properties that they can't afford. Mm. I mean, does that come up as a, as a yeah? Problem? Actually, that that's exactly the point I was talking about. Veronica. So right. When I'm saying price, it's often like contact agent. Oh, contact sorry. agent. I yeah. think you, you sometimes hear it in two two ways. It's one is the contact agent, so the price is mm. not disclosed on the listing. I think the yeah. other one is pricing not being disclosed after the sale. Yeah. Um. And and obviously again, d different drivers. But yeah, absolutely, that number one frustration, and it's not universal. That frustration, that's very much on the buy side when you when you shift <laughs> over to, for example, tenants. It's not so much about price, it's about like quality of the listing. So yeah. you know, lack of photos, lack of floor plans, maybe the listing has not been updated and is no longer available. So that, that lack of sort mm. of quality of the content can also cause frustrations. I think I think the interesting thing from my perspective is how you know how do businesses like REA help sort of furnish the agents with the impact of that. So yeah. You know, if we look at like that, that data point of 75% of buyers are frustrated about the lack of price being displayed, it's, it's actually in the verbatims 
that that for me feel the most cutting it's things like you know people people consider that unprofessional mm. so mm. already already there perhaps in that buyer's mind that agent has planted a seed which may penalize them in years to come when they want to turn that buyer into a future vendor so the perception that it leaves in the buyer's mind is you know you're wasting my time it's it's unprofessional and you've done that you know in the case of victoria you only have to look at the statement of information to find the price yeah <laughs> or, or the indicative price range based yeah. upon the comparables right so, yeah the curated well but in queensland it's illegal to give a guide I mean, that's just insane in my view. I mean, if they don't think the agent is equipped to actually give a guide, then what do they think the agent's actually doing? But anyway, mm. that's beside the point. <laughs> um, with, with this is interesting too because, of course, we want easy access to information that we know should be ready av readily available. I mean, let's face it, the agent has put a guide on the agency agreement. The agent has had conversations with the owner. It's not like that they're in the dark. Mm. Um, and so I guess what you're saying is that the consumer is saying, look, Give me the information. I'll make my mind up. But I know a lot of agents go, but no, I want to handle the communication. Mm. I want to own that potential buyer. I want to, you know, I want to control over this. And I don't know. I just think that they're slightly um, overestimating their ability to have a good phone call with someone who's probably already pissed off because they had to make the phone call in the first place. Yeah. Are the regulators coming to you, Simon, and saying, though, you know, there's obviously under the guides potentially and the search criteria doesn't match anywhere what it's selling right so you go yeah, one to 1.2 million you do a search and that probably sells at 1.6 right mm. and so it's like rea are just taking that number from the agent but that was never what it was going to sell out right and so that could be just a serial under quota right are the regulators looking at the data that you know you guys use with the agents because that's the best you know if they had to put in a guide with you guys and then it had a sold price you could easily see who's <laughs> who's the serial under quotas like is REA keen to sort of lift the standards for the real estate agents by saying, look, you know, it's better, more professional, you know, if you if you give a price guide. It's more professional if you're in very, you know, not too far away from the sale, pro, uh, the guide. So how does REA see that these, these industry issues are playing out and affecting you as a platform and not increasing the trust in the real, real estate transaction? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, you know, broadly, Chris, we sort of share that share that view that we want to kind of raise the raise the quality raise the standard of of the industry whether it become whether it's related to pricing or otherwise i you know i, I was listening to john a couple of weeks ago on, on your podcast cunningham you know talk about trust and transparency you know he mm. talked about that classic league table where agents are like number two off the bottom so you know i, I think we're very much aligned to that view with regards to that we don't get approached by the regulator that there may be point um, engagements um, that, that, are, that are sort of private issues that, that get dealt with on a point point basis. Mm. But there's absolutely, you know, no sort of agreement, if you like, to, to, to work with regulators. I think we do an awful lot of supplementary activities where we're trying to raise that level of awareness. We, we do share all of these consumer insights and consumer um, omnibus results with a view to trying to kind of raise that level of awareness, whether it be about content quality or probably one of the bigger ones at the moment are things like privacy and consents. You know, that's typically never been much of a an issue mm. or an awareness topic amongst the industry, but is increasingly uh, becoming far more important. So we're doing a lot at the moment trying to educate the industry about, hey, you know, when you get some information from the portal, what can you do with that? What what consent has been given to to you to, to use this person's information? So, yeah. That's Are an interesting about... one, actually. Sorry, because mm. I did want to ask you about what sort of information about buyers goes to the sales agent because I would mm. imagine that there's a huge amount of really valuable intel that can help them really guide their vendor and actually guide their campaign. I know when I was a sales agent, you know, we ran blind. I mean, it was like it was all verbal and it was all based on how many contracts you issued basically yeah. and how many building and pests were done, you know. Um, now, oh, my God, you, you can actually go down to how many times one property has been looked at by one buyer, right? Yeah. What can be? Yeah, yeah. what can be referred to the agent, what can't? You know, I guess it's, it's all a bit um, murky, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, so, so we, you know, like, um, so obviously like a, the, the probably the, the simplest example is when you, 
you might arrive onto the, the portal that you might put in a search for your suburb of choice. You might see a listing and you, you typically might go on to inquire on that listing, which is yeah generally what we would describe as like declared data. The, the consumer is declaring that, hey, this is my name, this is my number, this is my email address, right. this is the information. So that's kind of one bucket of information. And then there's a sort of inferred information and that's generally based upon a whole load of consumer behavior across the site. So we have a product which we call lead enrichment. Um, so if you like, it's like attaching that metadata to every single buyer inquiry. And that, that looks at sort of three dimensions. So it, it looks at what we would describe as buyer readiness, which is essentially grouping buyers into three segments based upon the online behavior. So are they ready to buy? Do they need nurturing? Is it too early to call? It could be legitimate that we've only seen the consumer on our site for you know a matter of hours. So it's, it, we don't have that level of the data that, that, that can inform their buyer readiness. The second is um, what we call like the attribute profile match. So the, 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 this is all about how well the attributes of this particular property matches the attribute profile of the buyer and their search behavior. Right. Are, they, are those two things kind of out of whack? Are they looking at a, are they inquiring on a one bed apartment when their search behavior is like three bed, two bath yep. established property? So that's that yep. attribute. Um, Desperation meter. Yeah, correct. <laughs> 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 and, and then the third is this sort of concept of listing engagement. That's specifically about the property that they're engaging on. And that's things like, you know, how many times, you know, how many times have they returned to the property? How engaged with the, are they in the photos? Have they saved the property? Have they shared the property with a, with a friend or someone else? Oh, ah, yeah, yeah. All of that together, we kind of wrap up. And the, the kind of in- <laughs> Do you get a score? Is it like, am I scored on this? And I'm like, 88, this guy's hot. And then the agent knows that, like, inquiry, he's 88 out of 100. He's wanting a good buyers, like, or oh is it God. is it that complex or not? Not yeah, yet. Well, you know, the secret sauce in there, Chris. So, so, um, <laughs> but essentially, essentially, we provide that on back to the agent, and our goal is to try and get the level. You know what we what we know is that you know buyers or anyone that's inquiring on the platform, a common sort of source of complaint is lack of response. Hmm. So we want to kind of make sure that the agent can be as effective as they can at, at responding to that inquiry. So we believe, based upon what we hear from agents and from customers, that knowing whether uh, a consumer is too early to call or perhaps needs nurturing is very different from someone that's the end of the, at the end of their sort of buy journey. So the aim is to try and get as many agents responding and getting the quality of response up because in our from our perspective that gives the buyer a better outcome have you do you see it always on the agent side like do you flip it on the head and say could we just make real estate economy focus 100 on the consumer right and flip the data right so you know that consumer is looking at this property one smith street and they can see that 42 people have looked at it in the last like you're going to buy rent a hotel or something right mm. you've got 10 people have looked at it more than six times and, you know, 14 people have yeah. inquired and got – and, like, I'm sure that data is all hidden right at the moment, right? You can't see that as a consumer. But if you – I mean, people do act under social pressure. So, you know, they probably see that this property's got very hot. Lots of people looking at it and probably think it's a good property, but I wouldn't go with the herd goes. But, you know what I mean, have you thought about flipping it the other way where yeah. it's like make it an ultimate consumer platform, then you encourage even more consumers, more eyes <laughs> – and then the real estate agents have no choice but to just sort of join the, you okay, know, the I guess ship, the I guess. Trick, the trick is doing on both sides, Chris, right? Yeah. Like, so I think, you know, we, we do do it on the consumer side. Um, you know, a good example of that would be as a property owner, you can, you can, you can claim your property, if you like, online on realestate.com.au. And we give you the single property owner dashboard. Now that property owner dashboard includes a whole series of information that we hope is useful to you as the owner of the property. Perhaps if you're moving into a sell cycle, helps you gain confidence in that. And um, you know, as part of that, we, we provide demand metrics. So we basically yeah. say, okay, um, for a property like yours right now, how many yeah. um, 
you know, how many consumers are, are strongly engaged with properties like yours at, at this time? And we, we, you know, we do a lot of work. There's a lot of investment goes into it to, you know, clean away things like views and move to actual people. So, so yeah, almost okay. like if you imagine there's millions. Take out the property pawners. <laughs> cor- correct. Correct. So if you imagine there's millions of people, we get rid of them. <laughs> and then we just focus in and then we focus in on those and, and how it matches to the property that so we do it on the property property side. Yeah, yeah. Then yeah. we then we also do it on the agent side. Um and we've got things like we've got also viewing. So for example, when an agent is running a let's say Veronica's running a campaign um for you, Chris, you're the vendor. Yeah. Um we help Veronica as the agent understand who she is competing with in the market for your property. So we call that like also viewed. And so that can help agents, you know, manage vendor expectations because you want a mozza for your property. But the reality is there's, you know, four or five other properties that have got the same, same type of demand on those properties at the same time. And again, it's all about managing that relationship or helping agents manage that relationship between themselves and the vendor. This is fascinating. Do you, uh, is this um, de-identified or yes. literally, right, it is, okay. Yeah, so, so But they we, can probably work it out. <laughs> yeah, so we, we, you know, we comply with the, the, the Privacy Act um, and and and, um, and obviously that consumer consent that I mentioned before is 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 critical. So we get consumer consent and, and, um, and, and apply by the Privacy Act. But that landscape is 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 significantly changing and changing at pace you know the mm. the um a triple c uh sort of undertook a a big piece of work a big p- sort of research or inquiry report back in 2019 called the digital platforms inquiry that looked at all kinds of online behavior across all types of platforms and and i think is in part it was in response to the activity that was happening in europe with what's called gdpr over there and so I think it's probably fair to say that, you know, post-election we might see new sort of legislation either affecting the Privacy Act or, or, or perhaps this, this new online privacy bill being developed, which will impact um, the likes of our business because it will change things like the definition of personal information. So, mm. you know, obviously something like your name, your number, etc. It's, it's all clusters personal information that may extend into things like digital identifiers like your ip addresses and stuff like that so we'll be obligated to make sure that that that's anonymized um Mm. but it will also be focused on providing more power to you as the consumer more control to you in terms of um the consents they need to be clear to you, great transparency, yeah. level of control, which things you're going. I mean, you're probably really familiar with when you go on any mm. website now. It's accept cookies. Yeah. Imagine, imagine that kind of upper level where you're saying, okay, I'm going to accept these types of cookies, but not these types of cookies, etc. So I, I think it's a very reasonable sort of expectation that we see that come in. And and again, that's something we have to acknowledge, but it's also something that, that the industry um, no, no consumer wants to, you know, go to an OFI, and then you know, two years later, three years later, four years later, still be receiving spam from from an agent. Yeah. We need to. We have a role to play to educate the industry on on what they're responsible for, whether it's an inquiry mm. that's being delivered by the portal, or whether it's a name and number they took down at a, you know, front door. So this is. This gets to the heart of something quite important, I would imagine, is like who actually owns the data? Is there a tug of war behind the scenes with agents? I mean, there, there is. A, the, the, the tug of war, whether that's the, the, the right description, I think there's definitely um, notions of ownership which are really sort of false in my mind. I think when it comes to consumer, consumer consent, the ultimate owner is the consumer. And, and consent is what we have to respect with regards to what the consumer allows us to do. So so we may get in the tug of war about, you know, REA doesn't own this lead that it's provided to me as an agent. Um, and and even within agent offices, you know, Chris doesn't own this lead. It, it was it, it was Simon's lead and they get into ownership battles oh, yeah. even within their own businesses. Yes. The reality is 
no one, none of us, not the portal, not the individual agent, not the agency, not the franchise, none of us own that data. We were granted a consent by the consumer to use that data in service of the consumer need. So from, from my perspective, that consent is about helping the consumer inquire on a property that they want to buy. Mm. It, there is a, I think that there's a, um, I think there's a real issue in the industry that hopefully is starting to get weaned out, but I don't think so. And, and that is the idea of seeing people as leads as opposed to mm. as human beings, you know, with, with needs and, and also free will to decide what they want to do. And it's because there's a lot of commission goes under the table and referral fees and all that sort of stuff that, you know, there's only certain circumstances upon which it has to be declared um, and so there's a lot that goes under the radar. So I wonder if that sort of feeds into this whole idea of privacy and, you know, seeing mm. people as leads rather than seeing people as human beings, as you're saying, mm. with, with that autonomy to actually decide themselves, you know, where they want their information to go. If you like what you're hearing here, please share this episode with others you feel would benefit. And while you're at it, why not leave us an iTunes review? Five stars, please. Every review helps make it easier for other people to find us and hear what our amazing guests have to say. We love hearing your questions and we're planning more listener Q&A episodes. Please send your questions in. You can send them via the website, which is theelephantintheroom.com.au or directly via email to questions at theelephantintheroom.com.au. The, the thing, I guess, that might, if we think that there's like systemic things that drive that, that, that you obviously are well, without the, well, well outside of the control of, of REA, but perhaps mm. more considerations for, for those businesses. I think, you know, one thing that we all need to be careful of is that, that misuse of that data will increasingly car- carry consequence and penalties. Yeah. And, mm. and, and, and we'll move from a situation where there's, you know, no teeth to teeth being executed on, on those types of things. Yeah. You can already see that, you know, if you do make a mistake, the regulators are coming down harder and harder, right? You, you've got away with it, I guess, in the past a little bit. If you had a big data breach and people sort of forgiven you, but now more people are getting worried about it, I guess, and cyber crimes going through the roof, mm-hmm. etc. Um, so, I mean, not that you want to talk about your sort of competitors, but the green one, um, they uh, have done all this thing, which is around sort of off-market properties. And um, what sort of REA sort of, have you, is there a plan to sort of potentially add in sales that aren't on your platform, you know, on your platform been sold and wasn't sold on REA or, you know, because this is a consumer insight. Like not even consumers know that these properties even sell, right? Like you, you have to go digging. You have to know to go on the value of general and yeah. search your suburb and, um it's kind of like, you know, I know you guys decided not to list on us and you went to, or the agent didn't list with us, but, you know, telling the consumer that these exist, mm. um, how, how's REA feel about all that? Yeah, like, um, you probably won't disclose what's in the product pipeline. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of respect for the, for the green one. I, I respect all of, all of our competitors. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably there's, a, there's, a, there's, you know, there's actually some interesting things that have developed in, even in the last year on 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 our portal which is you know actually there's there's a lot of our customers agents actually yeah. provide us with off-market sales so oh, okay um, and the reason that they provide us with off-market sales is because um we provide a way for vendors to come onto our platform to understand who the right agent is in a given market to provide yeah. them with a service. So it's brag fest, in other words. <laughs> so, so, so uh, okay. So what you're trophy. Yeah. So, so what we've seen is that, that typically agents will disclose transactions, whether they are transactions that have happened on portal or off portal because they want to put their best foot forward. They want to basically say, they, you know, if I'm going to be measured on Sales. Sales. Then, <laughs> then I don't want 20% yeah. of my sales not being represented online. So, yeah. so we, we, we get that visibility and, that, and, then, and then the consumers then get that visibility. Um, yeah. oh, so you're putting those sales on, are you? Like in terms of like a, in this sold tab? Correct. But they okay. may not have the price. <laughs> As it goes back yeah, to the, what we were the, first the, talking the, about. <laughs> obviously, the, obviously, the quality of the... The listing may be different to a quality that... Yeah, no photos and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a big sort of area, isn't it? It's like, you know, 
you've got to, if people are just looking in REA, which has probably got 99% of the properties that are online, mm. right? Um, but they don't know about this sort of undercurrent and they think it's more than it is and they don't know how to find it. And I kind of feel like it's maybe, maybe you could just sort of be that source mm. by just having everything on there because you can get that information and, and put all the listings on there with the past sale dates. It's just... Yeah, we, you know, and we, we, we provide that to a degree in, in, in our property experience. We have a you know, a, an experience for for every single property in Australia against every single property. We have a, yeah. a list of previous transactions. So, that, that, you know, we we provide a way to uh, get get a consolidated view, I guess, of, of the market for yeah. consumers. I think, you know, uh, the, the debate around off-market sort of, it ebbs and flows a little bit like off-market activity based upon, I guess, the yeah. supply and demand mechanics. We don't, we track it. Um, we track it against the government transactions. We track it against yeah. listings that are directly sold, uh, directly loaded to our platform without a corresponding campaign. We we track those things, and we you know what we probably don't see is material movement trended over time. That's interesting. So, do you publish any of that stuff? No, because there's so. Can you give many- us any insights <laughs> on what yeah, percentage is selling? selling on platform so so what we see is that there probably are some um movements where off-market style or off-portal style activities uh, do increase they're typically associated to sort of high demand periods yeah um but over time we've not seen that those trends change so when we look at like long series data um that we don't see that movement um there is challenges in it because of the time lag um, mm. so there's like is it ninety percent? I wouldn't like to say, Chris, but why um, not? Come on, yeah. you're amongst friends here. No one else. We won't tell anyone. <laughs> so so you, you did a great poker face there as well for the people on the video. You didn't give anything away, so I'm like, I was hoping you might have said higher or lower or something. But there's warm, nothing warm, there. I called it, called it. No, yeah, yeah. no. So we don't. Well, but I, I mean, mean I'm interested yeah. though in terms of that because a lot of agents, sales agents, so buyers agents will often, you know, say, oh, you know, fifty percent of what we buy is off market because I've I've got the secret magic key to the secret yeah. magic world. And and then you've got sales agents that equally sort of I think I suspect many times overinflate mm, various yeah, points of sure. data because they can. There's no, nothing to be to hold them to account. So yeah. that's why I was hoping you. I, think, I up. think as I think as well, like you hear, you know, unfortunately, agents may sort of promote off portal perhaps to kind of win listings as well, mm. which, which is which is a bit unfortunate. I think you know we just I'll send a link afterwards we just did a sort of piece of analysis where we tried to um look at the relationship between off-market sales and price mm. so, you know are you essentially better or worse off by by going off portal or, or going on portal and of course um, you're not biased at all in, in, in <laughs> not, not, not biased at all but we you know let the data, let the data speak i think it's yeah. the, is the key here and what we please do send it through yeah i'll send it through because i think it'll, it'll be an interesting read but it sort of suggests in certain markets for certain property types at certain valuations then there's a clear impact by making mm. that decision and when you when you look at advertising costs in relation to property values yeah. Then is, is is really that decision a short term decision that you've just made? Mm, if, if you if you're going to lose like thirty or forty grand on on a, on a sale, is there any portals around the world that you guys think that you're behind, or do you think that you guys are probably one of the best portals in the world? Like, is it is it you've got the best car, right? Do you just go and sell it to the rest of the world? That's a, that's a really interesting question, Chris, because I've asked that like of myself you know, a lot. I think what I've come to learn is the nature of local markets and the the portability of an individual portal's business model into Mm -hmm. other markets is, is, is really variable. So for example, so you got to rebuild it. You got to get all the do new engine and I mean, new exhaust. I mean, you, you you might still use the engine and the exhaust, but the fundamentals of the business model is probably the thing that's most vulnerable to the market differentiation. Hmm. So if you look at like yeah. this grip, like you know, um, Scout Twenty Four is a, a brilliant portal out of Germany. Yeah, a- amazing portal, re- really well run. Um, you know, in a massive rental market. So you know, is a is a premium advertising going to work in that market? Um, UK, gr- great portals. Uh, you know, 
is is premium advertising going to work in that market when there's very low VPA? Mm-hmm. Um, look at look at commission rates and, and the nature of the market in the US. You know the buy side and sell side. Yeah. Yeah. You've got commission rates at seven. Like so that whenever you think, oh right, well I've just got a search engine here and I've got some front ends. Yeah, let's just move them over here. No. That is interesting, actually, because Australia is one of the, the rare markets in the world where the vendor pays their own advertising, right? Um, and per, I actually think they should, personally. I don't think it should be on the agent because, I don't know, it just bends everything. But um, I'm a, I'm a user pays fan. But, yeah, because that does change things. It's like with the buyer's agent um, situation in America, like you said, what, 7% commission? And that's because rolled into that is advertising, rolled into as the broker's fee. You know, all of those things come out of, of one pot, um, whereas here it's sort of quite de- it's spread out. You know, if you use a buyer's agent, you pay for one. If you pay, if you use advertising, you pay for advertising, you know. Um, does that, which other way are we pretty different to the rest of the world? Like I think... I think VPA, you know, in the resi market's one of the clearest differentiators. I, you, know, I, you know, back to our earlier conversation, Chris, about you know where I'm from. I'm obviously not from. I'm not from Melbourne. You know, when, <laughs> when my, you know, when my mother listed a, my mother sold a property a few years ago. When she listed a property, she listed it on a, a UK portal, and I remember she sent me the link to the listing, and I was like, "Mom." Why have you, you know, why is your bed in this listing, right? Like, what, what, you know, you, you picture the bedroom, there's maybe, there's maybe like some books on the floor, there's a cup of tea from, you know, like it, the, the whole idea of like dressing property, the concept of the, the, the concept yeah. of the value of property here in Australia is very different from other markets. I think mean, yeah. in the UK, you know, frankly, they don't give a, about about <laughs> what the property looks like inside because it's land value building value yeah but but here yeah. you know you, i went to a viewing last year you know someone in the garden playing a guitar right that's that's the experience yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's australia right uh it's just, yeah. you know i started 21 years ago i think now and and you know back then not every property was styled only the odd one now mm. everything is styled and you, every everyone's got their coffee pot you know, the incense <laughs> and the candle and all the rest of it. And, you know, you can't get away with not making your bed and hanging out your tea towels before you actually uh, list your how People could don't have any imagination anymore. I'm curious, do you think buyers will ever purchase property through an online portal? Mm. Or direct, you mean? Like just to mm. you know, click, click and put in the shopping basket? Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm not convinced by that. Like I have learned to, I guess over time that 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 role of the individual whatever type of professional that person is in the transaction for this type of transaction is massively valuable even Mm -hmm. if there is the odd person that would be happy to kind of click because they've got so much cash in the bank that the, the 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 magnitude of that investment is 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 nothing to them i think in the vast majority it's it's highly unlikely that that you would go through uh, that type of transaction without some kind of support um you know whether it's the process of negotiation if you're a first home buyer you've never gone through the process it's it's something that's perhaps a mystery to you if you if you're selling and you haven't transacted for the last 20 years or 30 years perhaps what's changed there's always going to be in my mind the role for that trusted advisor th- throughout the process so I, I i don't think it's likely that we'll get to a ebay style model so so aria's got yeah millions of aussies i don't you know the stats or you know you like doing billboards about it actually how many people you've always got um like catching eyes everywhere but you've got millions of people looking at your platform and do you feel like you're just going to you can basically productize or monetize that consumer in lots of different ways, right? You can do their mortgage. You can uh, do moving sort of services. You could do renovation services. Do you feel like REA, you know, because you've kind of pigeonholed the market with the green one, that, you know, your growth is going to come through selling things to people on your platform rather than just keep – because transactions of property are going down. You can either keep charging agents more money Mm. and they're going to get pissed off with you um, and or you're going to keep making money off the consumer and start selling everything else, conveyances mm. and et cetera. Do you think that that's the direction? 
if you can't go overseas because mm. you just said that it's hard to go overseas and you don't you've already got the market share so you don't you can't really kill off any competitors because you've already got the market share so is that the goal for rea just keep on you know these eyeballs just keep monetizing them in lots of different ways whether it's their mortgage or conveyancing or moving etc yeah so so i think like with the overseas comment it's not that you can't go overseas it's just that you have to be cognizant of what you're going overseas for because we're overseas, yeah. we're overseas right now it's just you got to be really sensitive to how that market operates. So I think there's, yeah. there's the willing, there's the willingness, and we're doing that. I think sort of domestically, um, yes, you know, is the is the quick summary of answer to your question. But I think it's, <laughs> I, I think fundamentally, Chris, it's it's based upon as long as you can confidently stand behind the value that you're providing. Yeah. Whether that be to a consumer or to an industry professional. Then, then, then there shouldn't be any shying away from that, right? Like, you know, if I can solve a job that you need to do in a more effective way, a more efficient way, a more cost-effective way, then as a business, you know, that, that that's that's what we're in business to do. So I think, like, a lot of what we, as I said right at the top, a lot of what we think about is like really going back to the core sort of jobs to be done on the part of any of these constituencies, and and as long as we can prove that. Then yes, uh, there, there will be opportunity, and that's evidenced in our strategy. It's not a secret. You know, we've made significant acquisitions in terms of mortgage brokering, um, yeah. smart line, and mortgage choice. So you know, we're, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not telling you any trade secrets here. It should be fair. It should be fairly yeah. obvious. Yeah. So, uh, well, in terms of the quality of what people are doing, the consumers out there on platform, right? I'd say that there are the informed consumers and they're probably the ones who are listening to our podcast because um, that makes them informed. But the uninformed consumer who doesn't really know what they're doing, let's say an investor right, or a home buyer, mm. and they're going to make a poor financial decision, your platform's helping them make that decision because you're providing a listing, right? But looking at data long term, we know that these are going to be poor financial decisions. Let's say they're buying high-rise apartments, right? And you can't really step into them and start providing data on the performance of that apartment because the age you got to piss the agents off because they're going to say, well, I don't want that performance to be online um, and they're the ones who pay you. So do you think you'll ever become like a, a s- consumer focused or do you think you're always going to have to keep the agents at front of mind and say, well, you know, we don't want to provide data on investment performance and how that tracks versus medians, like the better streets versus the worst streets or, you know, south facing versus and that makes that easily accessible because you're going to piss off the agents. I, I, I think, you know, I think we are consumer focused, Chris, and I think we've been doing the things that you've just said for, for years. You know, we, we, we used to have an, in, you know, an investor, a standalone investor section on our site that, that talked about average rental yields in a, in a given suburb. That's now available on our property pages. We're always trying to find that balance um, to provide consumers with the right level of awareness empowerment confidence yeah. uh, uh as well as not you know to 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 your i think you used the terms pissing off the agents without pissing off the agents i think was the, the term so <laughs> i think i think i think we are consumer focused we'll continue to be consumer focused in, yeah. in that regard um, um but we don't you know every single one of those decisions we 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 treat fairly seriously we do a a boatload of consumer engagement. We do a boatload of customer engagement. We just we try and navigate those those lines, um, because I think if you tip in one favour or another, then then it becomes problematic. It is a delicate dance, though, isn't it? Because not only are you you know potentially there's that provision of information to consumers that may then discourage them from buying some of the property that's actually listed on your portals yeah. and paid for by the advertisers. So, um, but that's if they know how to interpret that data and actually apply that data. And that's, I guess, in a way, one of the problems with information overload is that people, if they don't know how to how to actually, you know, critically think, they're, they're not necessarily going to apply it. But then you've got this sort of idea that, um, you know, you guys are on the cutting edge of prop tech, right? You know, there's this always innovation and often real estate agencies per se aren't necessarily the cutting edge of innovation you know what I mean that there's a very it's a quite an old it's very analog if you like the actual way of doing business so I guess there's there's potential ways we talked about friction the agent being Mm. the sort of friction in in I guess that just that user experience but there's you know the whole real estate 
I know, you know, I listen to the PropTech podcast, for instance, I know that there's all these clever people out there trying to come up with wonderful, elegant solutions for all these weird and, and wonderful um, challenges and sticky points that basically are, are experienced across the board in the property space. And we, we do focus a lot on buying and selling here, but but obviously on the tenancy space as well, leasing yeah. space. Um and there's all these solutions, there's proliferation of them, and some of them will go bust and some of them will go on to become billionaires and have amazing floats, right? But in the meantime, you're actually dealing with a very antiquated type of working, you know. So in a way, this innovation is a bit of a threat to your main customer base, but at the same time, if they don't embrace it, they're probably going to die with the dinosaurs anyway. So that's, that's a bit of a tricky path to navigate on its own, isn't it? Or do you not yeah, find that? You don't I, worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, it's it's interesting because you, you you know you use the term threat. I, like I, it's actually interesting because I don't find many customers, agents of of ours that really view it so much as a threat. Mm. I think where they where they sometimes struggle is to understand its application um, or how mm. to embrace it or what does the change mean. Um, so. And also sometimes it's it's you talked a little bit about the proliferation. I think sometimes they're seeking to understand how how can I make these choices? You know, I've got a new prop tech company arriving next week or the week after tomorrow. How do I make assessments about which one works and which which isn't? What's the impact yeah. on my day to day running of my business? So it's to me it's it's less of a perception of threat and it's more uh, 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 an unknowing of how to embrace it and how it can be effective to the business. But that's, that's rapidly changed in the last two years, mm. to be honest. And it, and it happened because there was a forcing function. Yeah, COVID. You know, they, 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 yeah. Have to, they have to make some changes to keep trading, right? And when you've got that forcing function, I think sometimes those worries, they, they sort of fade into the background because, to be honest, if I don't make this listing, if I don't win this listing, if I can't run this auction, then then I've got a much ser- much more serious mm. problem. Um, so for me, like, there's, a bit, again, a bit of an education piece. Um, but- I, I was sort of thinking too about, you know, with your little startups trying to solve, indiv- you know, smaller parts of the, the, the problem, if you like, the bigger problem. And REA Group is sort of seen as quite a, well, it is a dominant player, right? Obviously you guys, and you pitch yourselves as dominant players, certainly in the portal side of things. Um Australians don't like, you know, big successful businesses, do we? We sort of we like to cut people down and say, "Well, you know, don't get too big for your boots." That, I guess that's where I was coming at with that question: is that do do does the industry get fearful? Do you think? And maybe you don't know the answer, but does the industry get fearful about the domination and and the power that you the REA has and 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 domain potentially as well, just because of purely the amount of information that you yeah. are. You know, you've got in your little hot little hands, and what you can do with that—that that may or may not be in the agent's best interests. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly sure there's there's pockets of 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 fear or or, or concern. Yeah, I think you know our efforts have largely been trying to focus in on saying, okay, well, if you believe we've got all this data, like look at what we're trying to produce with that data in the service of what. Mm. And, and in, in, most cases, <laughs> in most cases, it's yeah. in the service of ideally trying to help the consumer or, or trying to help the agent. So, you know, back yeah. to that, you know, I've, t- I've taken this large audience data and I've turned it into something that can help you manage buyer inquiries. I've yeah. taken this, this, these, these, all, all of this market information and I'm helping you understand how to set price for, for your next vendor. I think, I think the, the people that are past that fear they're actually embracing it now. Whether they embrace it with an REA or a or a green or whoever it is, it it, it largely it largely doesn't matter. That that comes down to the product and the execution of the product. Yeah. We can create a great quality product. They will ideally back 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 our product. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's all comes down to REA whether they want to create a long term sustainable business, right? Because you've got all this amazing consumer insights and you can market to me if you want. You've got so much information about me. You know my value of my properties, you know, what I earn and because I've done a borrowing calculator, <laughs> you know that I'm checking out my property price a lot, you know, I'm maybe thinking about selling, you know, and so you could get quite, you know, targeting people, you know, and creating leads and stuff. But 
then all of a sudden you're like, hang on a sec, REA just must be the big brother. They're watching everything I do. They keep marketing me and calling me and I feel like agents are sending me lots of letters because I'm on the platform a lot. So it all comes down to the trust factor, right? And, you know, you've got to be so careful that you don't try to make short-term money when, you know, focus on the long-term success of the platform. That's, that's right. And, and like, you, you, you remembering the role of the consumer in that equation. Yeah. So, you know, you might fill in a finance calculator. What are you filling in a finance calculator for? Mm. For you to help you manage your, that's the consent that you gave us, right? It wasn't to use that data and to plug it into a million other things. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, 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 and you know, doc, back to Dr. Evil again. I mean, yeah, this very yeah. notion of... of yeah. You do look like him a bit. I don't have the scar and I don't have a, uh, I don't have a mini me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, I, I just think, you know, that the, there are absolutely pockets of it. I, I, you know, I think... Um, that only changes in time. It changes with conversations like this. It changes with conversations like customer. It changes when we ship product that is valued by a, by a customer and they get past that and they say, okay, well, well this, this stuff kind of works, right? Mm. Well, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a very exciting space, the whole, um, you know, platform. You know, Veronica and I just look at data and I just want to know, find more and, you know, if I was you know, selling or buying, how many people are looking at it? So... Yeah, I know you guys aren't meant to do it, but if I was sort of working there, it'd be dangerous. I'd be like, how do I, how do I, I'm not, I'd sign a contract, do not look at these things. I'd just be like, oh, can I, can I just, when no one looking, I might have a quick squiz at this. And um, so, yeah, it'd be awesome to be working. Yeah, exactly. Working the economics team there, just be amazing to, um, yeah, do a bit of digging. But um, I really appreciate you coming on, Simon. That was an awesome chat. Oh, great. Uh, No, it it was great. I loved having the chat as well. If you're looking to buy your dream home or an investment property in Sydney's inner west, eastern suburbs or North Shore, my team and I can help you buy without regrets. Reach out via my website, gooddeeds.com.au. If you're looking to buy your first home, thinking of upgrading into a new one or purchasing an investment property anywhere in Australia, my team love to carefully guide you on this journey and most importantly, get the finance right. Reach out via our website, wealthful.com.au. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to see you again. And remember, don't be a dumbo.